you know, obviously we all have beliefs about what we can and can't do. And very quickly when you're in pain, your world becomes very small and what you think you can do becomes very limited. And so we use movement as a way of actually, you know, teaching uh, what we're capable of. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest is Nick Perugini. Nick is a physical therapist and the owner of More Than Movement, a physical therapy and wellness company located in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Nick blends his experiences as a physical therapist and strength coach with modern approaches to pain and neuroscience to help his clients overcome chronic pain and barriers to performance. I met Nick years ago as part of my own journey through physical therapy, and he not only is such an incredibly educated and knowledgeable individual, but he is so empathetic in the way that he interacts with his clientele base, and I couldn't be more excited for him as he embarks on his own journey as an entrepreneur. He's going to make some big changes in the world. Enjoy the podcast. Hey, everyone. Real quick before we dive into the episode, you probably heard about this podcast directly from someone else or saw it shared on social media. We can only grow, spread our message further, and keep bringing in awesome and amazing guests with your help. If you could take five seconds and hop on whatever podcast platform you're using and leave us a review, it would mean the world to us. On to the show. Genie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Derek. Oh, dude, I'm so glad we were able to get this together. Um, you know, you started a business 10 odd months ago, so I know your time is probably very limited and precious at this moment. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm always uh, open to have conversations like this. I, I find that, you know, being able to talk with like-minded people gives gives me energy, you know, and that, and that gets the feedback into my business and personal life. So I'm excited to uh, chat it up today. For sure. Yeah. I, I always tell people like one of the biggest reasons I started the podcast was purely out of selfish yep. reasons. Like I, I just, I love having conversation. I'm such a curious person. And I think anyone that's willing to hop on a podcast and talk for an hour and let the, the conversation go wherever has a similar sentiment. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always, uh, you know, I think that's like entrepreneurship, right? It's just being, having an open mind to, to learn and to, uh, you know, acquire new perspectives. I know that's been a, a big you know, kind of token in my life over these past 10 months. Oh, I can't imagine. Well, hey, uh, what was it that, so I'll kind of give the the audience a little bit of a background. So you and I met because you were working with uh, John Herting, who's also been on the podcast mm -hmm. and um, you had been working with them for, for quite a bit. And I was with you guys when you were doing some sort of like a mentorship program for either coaches or PTs or soon to be uh, physical therapists uh, as part of like, creating uh, some content and a mentorship program for them to kind of, uh, you know, help guide them in the right direction. And you and I had spent, you know, quite a, quite a few Zoom calls, you know, going over some of those things. Mm -hmm. uh, what was it that made you want to get into physical therapy in the first place? Yeah, I think, you know, there, there are two things that really stand out here that um, I talk about. But, you know, I'll kind of put it this way, you know, I, I uh, as a high school athlete, I saw my my coaches, football coaches, weightlifting coaches had a really unique setup actually in that in high school, 
we had a powerlifting team. And every every year in the offseason, we would go to these powerlifting competitions and, you know, bring 20, 30 guys out there and, and, and compete. But outside of that, these coaches that were part of this program, you know, showed up with so much enthusiasm as adults. And I always thought to myself, no matter what I do, I need to be showing up in my life as an adult like that. Um, so very quickly, I, I was inspired by coaching. Um, and, you know, being in alignment with something that I, that I personally enjoy. And I think I also really enjoy people. And so it was, it was kind of a great combination. In addition to both of my parents being coaches, my mom is a physical therapist um, and like coach my basketball teams and soccer teams. My dad was involved in our football program and our baseball program. So just kind of grew up in this environment of giving and coaching and, and helping uh, and giving back uh, in the movement realm. And so really for me, it was a no brainer that, hey, I needed to be around people. I wanted to do something that I was excited about and personally interested in. And, uh, you know, I, I had great role models, you know, my coaching, my coaching staff and my parents, just how they showed up in their life being, uh, you know, excited and enthusiastic to to move and to help and to teach and to coach. It just really shaped, you know, who I am as a person and ultimately, you know, allowed me to kind of, you know, step into this path and step into this role that I'm doing now. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you find yourself uh, kind of in this really interesting position that I think is becoming far more prevalent nowadays, which is the physical therapist that also takes a really keen liking to strength and conditioning conditioning, and buys into buys into the fact that like, this isn't just a matter of, okay, you're broken. Let me fix you and then send you on your way. I also want to bridge the gap to get you back to a place where you're not just able to walk or be pain-free, but you're able to thrive as a human being. Um, do you think that coming from a background in sports and having coaches that were so enthusiastic with you kind of led you in that direction? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think when you, when you go through an experience um, in athletics or something that is physically demanding, whatever that might be. Um, and athletics is a pretty broad term, but a lot of things require uh, your your body to move in athletic ways. You know, something happens where you start breaking expectations that you had of yourself, right? Where you didn't know you could potentially do something or make a play or lift a certain way, weight or run as, as fast. And, you know, we, we see that in physical therapy a lot. In that, you know, we're using movement as uh, our medium to teach things about one's body and what they're capable of. And so, yeah, most encounters start with some kind of specific pain and we're able to use movement as a teaching resource um, about their self, about themselves. And really what that that learning experience is, is, is you know, obviously we all have beliefs about what we can and can't do. And very quickly, when you're in pain, your world becomes very small and what you think you can do becomes very limited. And so we use movement as a way of actually, you know, teaching uh, what we're capable of or breaking expectations of what we thought we were capable of, which, you know, opens up the floodgates to a whole nother world. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much I want to add in there. Um, so there's a, there's a book called lost connections by Johan Hari. And he talks about how depression prevents people from being able to have foresight, like being yeah. able to look into mm -hmm. the future. So mm -hmm. when someone is, is chronically depressed, um, 
whenever they're put through a test that asks them about questions about their future, they have a really hard time envisioning anything. And I think pain can act in a similar way. I think and you hit this nail on the head, which was you said that it really narrows their field of view and it brings them to the here and now. And it's the only thing they can focus on. And, and because of that, it really limits their, their self-beliefs. Yeah. And, you know, what we see in, in you know, acute pain versus chronic pain, they're very, very different. You know, where chronic pain um, becomes a systemic issue, right? It kind of gets very intertwined with, you know, our thoughts, beliefs, our memories. Um, and, and this is called, you know, neuroplastic pain. It actually kind of mm. comes a little more wrapped up into the, the nervous system uh, versus just a certain tissue, right, or a muscle, um, or, or, or a joint. And again, what that, what that does is, is, yeah, it limits your field of view, right? Pain makes our world small and it really limits us in what we believe is possible. And again, from a, from a healthcare standpoint, we're in an era right now where technology is increasing, right? And our diagnostics are increasing imaging, MRIs, you know, CTs with contrast, you know, you name it, injections, new medications, but, you know, we're actually missing a, a big piece in, in, in addressing chronic pain, which is kind of this, and, you know, paying homage to the name of the business here more than movement, right? Is that sometimes it takes some other things, right? Orienting ourselves to some other things and how we're managing and speaking about uh, pain, especially in folks who, again, have this little bit more chronic issue where it's not just about getting fixed, right? It's about understanding how your thoughts around what's happening are leading to certain behaviors and how those behaviors and habits and actions are now le leading to your current outcome, right? Or status. Right. Uh, and that's why, that's why it's, it can get, it can get messy. It can uh, get murky for sure. Well, yeah. yeah. And I mean, purely by monitoring something, right? You change the thing that you're looking at, you know, and, and every strength has its shadow. And, and while we're able to do use better diagnostic tools and, you know, be able to see things in ways that we were unable to see them even a decade ago. Sometimes these can have condemning effects mm -hmm. on the belief systems that an individual has around their pain. Yes. Um, and I'm sure that you see this quite a bit where people come to you and they go, well, look, here are these structural issues that I have. And the science is not perfect as to how imagery leads to pain, sure. right. Or, or the connection between it. Right. And, um, I think, you know, you can speak to this in, in more detail than I can, but there, I know there's been a lot of research around this lack of connection between, um, MRI images of people's spines and being able to guess which people are in pain. So if you were to line up a hundred MRIs and you were to look at them, you have no predictable power over who's in pain and who's not. Yeah. And that, and that, and that can be really tough to wrap our head around, right? It's, it's, well, when, when we were taught that, uh, damage equals pain, right? And that, and that's, that's kind of what generally we think of. Um, and, and this is a model of, of medicine called a uh, pathoanatomical model, right? Patho as an abnormal, um, and anatomy pathoanatomical, meaning abnormal anatomy or abnormal structure. And this is how most people in medicine, especially in orthopedics, are taught in that we need to diagnose um, through some kind of diagnostic imaging or tests or assessments. 
and okay, we find a positive finding and this positive finding is leading towards someone's pain. Well, again, growing body of evidence around imaging showing that that's not always the case. It doesn't mean that an abnormal structure can cause pain, but there are instances where that's not just the case. And what that makes us, it makes us zoom out and think about, well, what things can actually cause pain and what, what is pain, right? And pain is a, it's an emotion um, generated by the nervous system and the brain, right? Based on a lot of things, uh, based on our past experiences, based on what we believe to be true, based on what we've, we've been told by people that we trust, our parents, uncles, aunts, coaches, teachers, um, our medical professionals that are the closest in our life. Um, and it's also has to do with other things in our, in our ecosystem, right? Current stress levels, um, sleep, right? Nutrition, right? Levels of inflammation uh, systemically in our body, right? All of these things create our ecosystem, right? Our internal ecosystem that can actually, you know, turn the dial up on certain types of pain um, or turn it down. And that's what we see again in, in, in chronic pain conditions where maybe this was something that someone experienced a year ago, three years ago, and is still experiencing this type of, of trouble or difficulty. That's when we want to think about less about the, the specific structure or pathoanatomics and actually start looking and zooming out and looking at our ecosystem. And again, those, those things seem to have the biggest kind of impact from this global approach when talking and, and managing um, individuals that have a little bit more persistent type symptoms. Sure. Yeah. And I think as part of this zooming out, you know, we can have a conversation around this biopsychosocial model, sure. um, you know, and this is something that I bring up quite often and has come up with other physical therapists um, as well as some other professionals on the podcast. And I think you're in a very good position to be able to explain to the audience what this is, why you use it and how it's helpful. Yeah. You know, I think um, in the case of an acute injury, you know, we'll use an example, you know, the, the bio um, let's say in an example of someone, I, I use this when Carson Wentz tore his ACL uh, when he was playing for the Eagles, you know, the bio there, right. Is actually a, a ligament being torn and there's, um, there's, there's swelling, right. There's bruising, there's limited range of motion. Um, there is pain involved, right. Very, very, uh, specifically from the inflammatory response that's happening at the level of the, the joint and, and, and the tissues, right? The, the social implications in this context are Carson Wentz as the leader and of his team, right? His family, his coaches from high school and college and in the, in the professional um, context are looking up to him, right? And so there's pressure, right? There are, there are kind of things going on there that actually can amplify the feeling of that, right? The, the social components give context to the biological pieces, right? Tearing an ACL when you got, you know, nothing going on and your life is just sitting on the couch. Like, you know, people do that, right? But when you have this, this social context and construct involved, that, again, is, is a piece of that person's story and their journey, right? So you would say that identity plays a huge role in the recovery process Absolutely. for people. Absolutely. Yeah. So right. a good example of this, I think of is we find that when people have an athletic history and then something occurs, it's harder for them to take 
the necessary steps to get back to where they were because every step that is a a um how should i say that is before what they were once capable of is a failure in their mind because it's like well i used to be able to squat 400 so me doing these these whatever bulgarian split squats at no weight with tempo is this like degradation from what I used to be able to accomplish, you know? And so sometimes I feel like because people have such an attachment to their identity um, prior to injury, mm-hmm. it's hard to get them to increment or trust the incremental process of getting back to where the, to that point. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's, that's where this concept of reframing things becomes really important, right? When someone's struggling through a situation like that, right? Where, their identity or even their reality is being dismantled, right? Because mm-hmm. of pain, because of injury, because physically they are unable to do the things that maybe they are used to, to do, you know, in the, in our setting as coaches or, or physical therapists, you know, the, the reframe there, right. Is trying to find a way to leverage your pain or your setback as an opportunity for growth. Right. Yeah. And, you know, anyone walking this, this path or, or on this journey, we're all on some kind of journey is going to go through a hard time, a tough time. And again, you've got in that moment, you've got a couple of decisions, right? You can feel bad for yourself and have, you know, self pity and, and be upset and you should be right. You need to like kind of go through that period of grieving. Um, but you also have to then find what can I take out of this, right? Where can I grow from this? Um, and guess what? That's, that's part of being resilient, you know, and the, and the best athletes, um, can find that, uh, maybe not initially, maybe not in that moment, but, you know, knowing that what you're going through right now was put there, uh, as a test that you are able to handle and will be stronger because of it is, is a really important mindset to, to obtain in that process. And sometimes it takes longer than others, right? And sometimes it doesn't happen as quickly as we want it to. Um, but but uh, we call that lag time, right? Where the lag time is the space between our, our action and our result. And sometimes yeah. the, the longer that lag time, uh, you know, the greater the reward, even if we can't see it during that time. And so- oh, for sure. I mean, I think anybody in hindsight can look back over their life with a critical critical eye and say, all of the things that I am most proud mm-hmm. for were accomplished over long time spans that required a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, while I would never wish injury upon anybody, I think that for coaches and physical therapists, it makes you that much more empathetic when you've dealt with something on, like, for yourself. Have you ever dealt with an injury? Yeah. You know, I think, you know, injuries come in all, all shapes and forms, right? And, and, um, you know, I've had, I've had bouts of, you know, low back pain that were consistent, um, in my, in my training career. And, you know, it's funny when I I look back on those, those times, every time it's happened, you know, something in my life was out of alignment. I'm I'm not using that in the term of, uh, (laughs) your hips. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's not true at all. Uh, but you know, was it a stress from, you know, school or a relationship, right? Or did, you know, my nutrition take a hit over the past couple of weeks? Usually there's something that was not where it should be. Um, and my, my, my behaviors 
and my actions and my habits kind of led to that moment, right? And every time that I've been, you know, in a situation where I've had an experience like that, you know, it was doing a movement or doing a pattern or doing a, a workout or doing some kind of, you know, low level task that I've done thousands and thousands of times before. And so, you know, when you reflect on it, it's easy to say, well, hey, you know, that de deadlifts were bad or my form was off. Uh, and that's what caused my pain. When in reality, I've done that thousands and thousands of times. And so, again, it's really easy for our brains to rationalize that this one thing caused my injury or this one thing caused my pain. It's much tougher to take an introspective route and zoom out and say, over the past four weeks, I haven't slept. My caffeine intake has been up. I had two weekends where I was out, you know, at holiday parties, drinking with my coworkers. Um, you know, all of these things kind of add up, you know, to this, to this one point. And it wasn't actually that one point. No, right. That was a straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the ecosystem view that we always want to try and, and think about, especially when we have maybe a reoccurring type issue or a chronic issue or a seemingly, you know, just a weird incident, right? Where we can't always make sense of it. Yeah, I think you just highlighted a really good point, which is that, you know, you're able to use a very wide lens when you're going through the process of reflection, but you're also able to do it in an analytical sense because of the fact that you're actually keeping tabs on your life. And this is also a really good distinction of why training is separated from just exercise. It's much easier to be able to reflect and, and gain insight out of reflection if we're keeping tabs on what we're doing. Yep. Um, and one of the things, you know, I think about is one thing that drives me absolutely nuts when people are dealing with any kind of an injury is the speed at which they want to get better. So the buy-in that then comes, uh, to them as the way of the, the different things they reach out to. So for instance, it's like, coach, what stretch can I do to fix this? Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to go to the chiropractor and just get snapped back into place. And what's so funny about this is it is a huge pet peeve for me, but guess where my mind goes when I'm dealing with an acute injury? I immediately want to start trying the things, right? That are like, I want this to be fixed now, right? And I have to talk myself off of that ledge being the professional. So it gives me a great degree of empathy for clients because again, as soon as that injury occurs, it's like your worldview narrows immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, pain, I, I, in, that brings me to the, the concept of pain as feedback, mm. right? And, you know, we're so, we're in our society, you know, we're taught how, how bad pain is, right? And, and, and if you, you know, turn on TV for 20 minutes, you're going to see three commercials around pain relief, right? And that we have to do anything to get rid of it versus actually listening to it, right? And understanding that, you know, pain is, is also, an indicator of our relationship with our body, right? And we have to listen, right? We have to be compassionate uh, versus fighting it, right? And, you know, taking action against it. And so, you know, that's that's the idea of a, of a quick fix. And, and, you know, again, I don't want anyone to be in pain, right? Pain right. sucks. Like there's nothing good. There's nothing great about it. Uh, but it is a teacher. And, when we do anything that we can do to numb and distract from the physical pain or other pains, 
right? We, we're not actually gaining any insight from it, right? We're not learning uh, about maybe what's actually happening in our body. And so you got two options, right? You, you, you toss a coin and let's say a quick fix does work. Okay, fantastic. You're out of pain, but you're not actually learning and giving yourself the education and knowledge to understand how to, why that happened, right? And how to not let it happen again, right? Um, if it doesn't work, right, you're going to feel even more broken because you just had this person try and do something to you. And maybe you didn't feel as good as you thought it was going to feel. And so you say, well, I must really be broken if this didn't work. And this, uh, this professional thought it was going to work. Right. Right. Um, you know, so, so, so pain as feedback is important and being yeah. listen to it and, and monitor to it is going to be a, a very tough, but powerful lesson. Yeah. I think you can also draw a line here between the way that people will repress things that bother them on a psychological level and the way that people will repress physical pain, right? So you see people that go through an injury and they think I need to shut everything down. Like I'm literally going to lay in bed and wait for this to go away. And even in the case that four or five days goes by and the spasms that were basically, you know, making you unable to even stand up without looking like you were 95 years old, you know, are no longer present. It's like, you haven't fixed the root cause, Yeah, you know? And, and we see this a lot where I have to talk people off of the ledge of like, just wanting to, they deal with the acute issue. They buy through purely just resting, right. And a bunch of NSAIDs and icing protocols and those sort of things. And then they want to go right back into their old exercise regimen. And I'm like, this is literally going to become cyclical. Yeah, man. I'm sure you see uh, that quite a bit. Yeah, and that, that's a concept called graded exposure, right? And so when we have an initial pain or injury, you know, it's a very normal response, right? Pain is a threat mechanism, right? So it's alarming us that something is, is off and wrong. And so, you know, I think a normal response for anyone uh, is to rest, right? Or to protect it. Right. And so when we protect for a, a, a short period of time, that's our body's natural evolutionary response to allow something to heal or get back to baseline. Now, for a short period of time, that's good. For a prolonged period of time, that leads to deconditioning. Deconditioning leads to vulnerability, right? right. When reintroducing back into what you were doing or your normal routine. And so great exposure kind of breaks that cycle. And, you know, the analogy I use is I'm not sure if you have a dog or not, but I'm sure you've seen a dog with like a hurt paw. Yeah. You know, what does it do? It puts a little bit pressure on its paw. Right. And then maybe the next day it sees a rabbit and like it tries to put a little bit more and run towards it. Right. And over time, the dog kind of knows instinctively how much weight to put on it a little bit more each day. Right. And so that's an example of graded exposure when coming back from an injury. And right. that's just a biological um, response, also also psychological response, because you are breaking your body's protective response psychologically to let your nervous system know that it is OK. Now, it's on the coach. It's on the physical therapist to put that person in a position that is safe. Right. Um to explore. Yeah. I want to zoom in a little bit there because one of the things you mentioned about rest being necessary, 
I think what's important for people to understand is that the reason it's necessary is that on a molecular level, you are strengthening the damaged tissue. Mm -hmm. So in other words, the, the rest isn't there just like in an arbitrary manner. It is there as part of the recovery process, which, by the way, is just progressive strength over time. Right. So like if somebody comes back from an ACL reconstruction and their knees locked in a brace and you start with these like really minimal range of motion improvements, there's an acceptance of some discomfort and pain. You're never going to increase the range, fight through scar tissue or even prevent it to some degree, hopefully, without experiencing some level of pain. And there's going to be downtime, but that downtime is purely there as a as a means to helping regeneration of that tissue so that you can once again start to activate on your own right right yeah and and yeah that's a powerful uh point there you know and that and that even goes back to sometimes explaining what we're actually doing when we're exercising i think sometimes we overlook that like what is actually you know how does exercise even work right how does strength training even work and you know the reality is we are causing damage you know it's an intentionally placed level of damage onto a certain structure uh, with the hope, right? And really it's a bet that the body will regenerate, right? And from a molecular and physiological standpoint, mobilize the resources needed to strengthen a certain area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's at the end of the day, what we're, the field we're in is, is stress management um, at, at, a, at a macro level and also, you know, at a molecular level as well. So, you know, we covered the, the, the bio, we covered the social, and I, and I think this is a perfect segue into the psychological in that one of the things we have to do as coaches and physical therapists or, or just healthcare professionals in general is there is this sweet spot between being enthusiastic for the person and getting them excited about seeing results while also setting realistic expectations. And I think when we're talking about coming back from injury, this is probably more pertinent than almost in any other conversation, which is I understand you want to get better and I understand you want to get better fast. And I understand that these are your goals that you want to eventually achieve, but we need to set progressive and realistic expectations and have check-ins to make sure that you're not doing too much or too little. That's either going to prevent you from getting there as soon as you want to, or cause you to have setbacks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you know, I think what you're bringing up is a, is a matter of, you know, a plan, you know, a matter of a of mutually agreed plan uh, in one that's progressive and takes into consideration the individual's patience, mm. right? Understanding um, and willing and willingness to do the work, right? And I, I think back on the, the three pillars that I kind of operate by in, in more than movement, of education, execution, and environment, right? Where education kind of starts with our, our thoughts uh, and our beliefs of what we believe to be true. And in, in the context of someone maybe coming back from injury, you know, education around what we're actually doing in, in physical therapy, right? Why we actually need to strengthen a certain area. Um, what recovery is going to look like and understand that there are going to be ups and downs. An example would be, you know, having pain after an exercise or even during an exercise and thinking that is causing more damage. Right. So education helps set expectations and helps understanding the the roadmap. Right. And that's what we talk about. We want to kind of paint the picture 
and set realistic expectations that, hey, this isn't going to be a, a straight line. You know, things are going to come up in your life that impede on your progress. And that's okay. Here's what we need to do when that happens. Right. And then also execution. As much as I love talking on podcasts like this and and educating clients, like work has to be done. And so there is a there is a level of accountability, responsibility, uh, discipline um, in our in our, for our clients that they need to also have. And yeah, they have to meet you fifty percent. They have to meet you. Yeah, they have to meet you there. And I think, and I like to believe that an execution that second e, you know, goes hand in hand with education, right? As as physical therapists and coaches. You know, behind the scenes, there are conversations sometimes I heard in the past around people, you know, talking not poorly about a patient, but or 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 an athlete. But hey, why don't they, you know, show up? Right? Why don't they work as hard? And in my opinion, that's just a failure of the correct education and communication to get through to that person and meet them where they're at. Um, now, obviously, if that if that wasn't received well, or if that was received and the execution isn't there then, hey, you know, you can only, you know, help someone so much that wants to be helped. Yeah. An analogy that I use quite frequently with our clients in this area, both in nutrition and also in recovery, but also just in in terms of goal setting and and setting correct uh, expectations is if you have a a five-year-old, right, and they're about ready to embark on their schooling and you have the option to start them in fifth grade or in kindergarten, anyone intuitively would go, why in the heck would I start them in fifth grade? grade, That makes no sense, right? Even though fifth grade is at a higher level than kindergarten, we understand the fact that we would be setting them up for failure. And I think that taking this approach and framing it around this allows you in conversation with your clients to say, we need to start in kindergarten. I understand that this is so basic and rudimentary that some of it is going to be a little bit boring and a little bit tedious, but guess what? You can't get to fifth grade unless we take you through the appropriate steps. Yeah, you know, and that's, it, it's just such a, a great example of, of small wins every day, right? It's just, hey, how can we build momentum? And just get used to checking the box, right? And, and kind of building building that into the process of, of getting wins and being successful and showing confidence and competence, right? And that's what we want with any person going through a new journey, whether it's, through starting nutrition, uh, starting at the gym, or you know, coming off an injury, right, and dealing and dealing with pain, where they're in a tough spot, and you know, my thing is when you're in a tough spot and things aren't going well and things hurt, the easiest way to turn that ship around is to regain an internal locus of control, and the internal locus of control is saying, okay, what do I have control over, and how can I, you know, make this objective. And start taking ownership of that, right? And start building momentum that way. And that's one of the easiest ways to, you know, start turning that ship around. Absolutely. And you also spoke to the realization or the importance of the realization that this is not going to be a linear process. Like as much as we would love to say, hey, here's a graph and this this line that trends upward and just going to continue to do that, you're going to have setbacks. Like life throws things at you and this is an inevitability. But to your point, you know, if you seek out the things that you do have control over, you probably have a far greater influence over your life than, than one would imagine. 
you know, and I think, but people become very fixated on the, the things that they cannot control. Right. And then that becomes very damning over their current situation. I think this is again, where the, the coach is there to steer the ship mm-hmm. and go, listen, I understand we got to go slightly off course here, but guess what? It's not about the, the perfect path. It's about the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you know, talking about reframing, um, setbacks again, are feedback, right? It's feedback on, on what's going on. It's a, Hey, pause, zoom out. Okay. See what's going on in the ecosystem. Okay. Where are we at? Okay. That's cool. We're going to make a, we're going to course correct or make a small pivot or adjustment and we're going to keep going right. And and life is going to go on and we're going to get over this. And we got some updated information and feedback and we're going to leverage that in the plan moving forward. And so again, I think that's the power of a coach. It's the power of, of a of a of a guide, right? Whatever professional it is, um, it's to be able to help people make sense of these tough times that are actually normal, right? We're we're trying to normalize stress, right? Normalize uh, chaotic things that we can't control um, because it happens to all of us, and it's going to continue to come. Our reaction to it is probably just as important as you know, what we do. Yeah. And I think that, um, as my fascination has grown with learning new things outside of the gym, um, by the way of of hiking or mountain biking, or even, even playing golf for that matter, when injuries do occur, right. When I'm dealing with something, um, you know, I've, I've learned luckily to be able to handle it fairly well. But one of the things that has helped me tremendously is now I'm okay with the fact that I'm not pumping out you know, dumbbell bench with eighties, if my shoulders pissed off because I can go for long hikes, yeah. you know, and I feel like people have come to a place where they're, they're, you find a lot of clientele that romanticizes and become so fixated on being able to perform well in the gym that they don't realize there's this whole world that's almost endless outside of it. And the more that you can buy into just learning new sports and activities, the more you realize your options are so grand if yeah. you deal with something on a small level. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I've uh, you know in my in my own evolution of, of of the business, you know, while I I would say I started really working with people who were kind of in the fitness space, right? CrossFit, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, um, you know, runners, people just exercising, and I still see a, a good percentage of people in that world, you know. But the kind of the other people that I that I work with are, you know, people in, in dealing with chronic pain, right? We're talking like decade, five providers, right? Five other physical therapists, like every injection, like surgeries, you know, you name it. And also people playing sports, right? Lacrosse, baseball, ultimate Frisbee, football. And what's unique about those two, those two demographics, I've had, when I really think about this is that, you know, for that, for them, what they do in the gym isn't as important as what they're doing outside of the gym. It's supplemental. It's supplemental, right? And so sometimes when we're so hyper-focused on the gym and obviously in the gym, you know, movement is the therapy and the, the activity, um, it can be tough for, for folks to kind of cope, cope with that, right? When, it, when, that, when their activity is really taken away from them. Um, and the movements is painful as well. It's, it's the same thing versus, you know, helping people be better outside of the gym, you know, is, is a little different, 
right? I know, you know, your goal as a business owner and gym owner is that the work that you do inside the gym always has to transcend the walls of the gym, right? It's got to, it's got to help folks outside. And that's a hard thing sometimes when people love your product, right? They love you and they love your service. They love actually doing the gym stuff. So it's, it's a, it's a kind of a unique interplay there of, of, of really loving the, the mode of activity, which, you know, CrossFit or functional fitness, um, but making sure that, that the work that we do in the gym also transcends the walls of the gym and, 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 you know, supplements their life. Yeah. I'm very fortunate that I have coaches that have sports that they play and outdoor activities that they regularly take part in, um, that we we're going to launch. And I, it's funny, I can, I can mention this now cause this will launch after we officially announce this, but we're going to launch a community based program. That'll be free for everyone in our community, friends, family, and, yeah. and so forth called beyond 60, where we want to get people beyond the walls of the gym and start yes. to explore their movement a little bit yes. via playing outside, trying new things, right? And and really growing an appreciation for why they're in the gym in the first place. Yeah, man. That's uh that's that's so beautiful. And you know, I talk about that in some of my messaging in that, you know, I look at your 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 physical body is your vehicle, right? And not in like a mechanical sense. It's the thing that you actually use to transport and and experience life. Right. It's your vehicle that we use to do the things that we love in the places that we want to go with the people that we love. Right. And so that kind of pays homage to that same concept of man, like we need this thing that to explore, right. We need this thing to experience. Um, and that's why we have to understand the difference between, you know, health and fitness sometimes. And that obviously our fitness um, allows us to have a highly, you know, operating a highly powered vehicle. Um, but we got to make sure it's not at the expense of our health. Sure. Yeah. Six pack is no longer cool. If you can't finish the hike. Right, 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 right. It's out. <laughs> yeah. It's out. So that's just such a, such a, um, a great, a great way to look at it. I'm really excited to hear about that program. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we'll definitely, I'll drag you out to some of them. Oh, we're going to yeah. be, we're going to be exploring all over the place, man. Well, um, you know, one of the things that I think is, is an inevitable part of the conversation here is, is that there's, there's this, deep connection between our mental health and our physical health. And I know, you know, you, you and I off mic talked a little bit about like spiritual expansion. Um, what are some practices and things you put in place, not just for your clients, but for yourself in this area? Yeah. You know, I think, I think, um, again, more than movement, you know, kind of pays homage to the complexities of the human experience, right? Like, um, you know, health physically, you know, operating through, through pain, um, you know, finding meaning and, and growing, right. And understanding that, you know, who you are right now is not necessarily who you have to be. And that there are probably things right now that, uh, you know, are no longer serving, you know, you or your, or your highest version of yourself. Um, I think doing, doing some work to understanding what those things are, um, and, and finding alignment, which, in this context would mean, I think we all have a certain intention of who we want to be or what we want out of life and making sure that our actions are kind of aligning with that intention. Um, it's been a really important kind of facet in my life, um, to, you know, not have my life just be about work, 
right? But also giving more meaning to, you know, what I have to offer as a person uh, in my in my relationships, you know, with my friends, family, um, and, and loved ones. And so, uh, you know, for me personally, what that's been is it's finding my ability to uh, be present. And being present means sometimes letting go of the past, right? Where, you know, you carry things with you. Um, and sometimes carrying those things with you interferes with your intention, right? And, and, can, and can have you default back into a certain way of thinking um, from a mindset standpoint. And there are also things that obviously as a business owner, we're, we're thinking about the future, right? We're thinking about what's going on next. And, 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 there's, and that's anxiety, right? Anxiety happens about in the future. And so driving presence in my life has been a, has been a game changer for me. And, and those things include, you know, things like meditation, um, things like journaling, things like being very intentional about expressing gratitude, um, you know, not postponing conversations with people that I want to have, right? Telling people things that um, I want to tell them as soon as possible, whether that's just calling my, my parents and tell them I love them, uh, whatever it is. It could be looking like doing some cold plunges, right? Or and, and putting yourself in very uncomfortable situations that force you to find your breath and, fi- and force you to be intentional. And so, you know, for me, my life was a series of what's next. Um, I got to get the next internship. I got to get the next job. I got to get the next promotion. I have to get the next, uh, you know, speaking engagement, whatever it is. And I missed a lot, right? I missed a lot in the present uh, and didn't realize all the the beautiful things that I had in my life. And so that's why, that's why this idea of, you know, presence, um, whether that be spiritual without religion and just having faith in, in, in your journey and in your path is, is become really important to me. Um, and I think there's a little bit of tie in there into chronic pain, right? Mm-hmm. And understand how to rewire our neuroscience um, around who we think we are and who we're capable of when dealing with a difficult time in our life. Yeah, what you said uh, really resonated with me, uh, which you know summed up as basically we have to learn to stop continuously trying to optimize our life and actually just live it sometimes. You know, and I think this is the shadow for every entrepreneur is that you constantly want to grow, right? If you're not growing, you're becoming complacent. If you're com- com- becoming complacent, you're losing, you know, and yeah. I think this is the mindset that we have to talk ourselves out of. And if we don't have practices that are non-negotiables in our life, such as cold plunges, meditation, sun exposure in the morning, going for walks in nature and those sort of things, it becomes really easy to just believe that the grind is all there is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, it's, it's, uh, I think, you know, for some people, and again, you know, I'm sharing my, my personal experiences and just kind of what I've done and what I've gone through. Um, because I've lived, I lived a long time, uh, again, with just kind of going for what's next and thinking that I'd be happy when I got the next thing. And, uh, cause that's what I was taught and that's kind of what I, what I replicated and what I knew. And, um, I had to do the work to kind of, to kind of rewire that. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's about, you know, finding what works for you at the end of the day, you know, have you ever seen the research around, um, I forget what book this was in, but basically they they had done research on if you, whether if you had took one person that, uh, lost a leg 
and became an amputee. And then you took a person who won a million dollars in the lottery that within one year, they would both be back to their baseline of happiness. And I, for me, that drove it home. You know, it's like, if you, no, no matter what, like you always have, you can't get too high. You can't get too low because ultimately, you know, you're, if you put all of your marbles into a basket and say, well, this, it, once I get to this, then I'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah. We all know that it comes and goes. It's never, it's a feeling, right? And feelings are, are going to be ever temporal based on a lot of, a lot of other things. So yeah. yeah, man, it's been a, it's been a powerful, um, you know, it's been a powerful journey. And, and again, it's kind of, you know, having the business, um, you know, just the name of the business kind of being, you know, wrapped in that a little bit, it, it allows me to just, you know, stay aligned and, and, and knowing that the business is kind of built on some of those principles. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a good feeling. Listen, I reached out to you because I love everything that you're doing and everything you represent. I mean, um, you know, you were a, f- a phenomenal physical therapist in the time that I got to work with you, both through injuries for myself, but also uh, some of our clients, um, yeah. as well as some of the mentorship uh, that you're able to give to me um, that we've onboarded for our coaches at the gym. Oh. So um, I greatly appreciate everything you're doing. And I think that uh, the sky's the limit for you, man. I really appreciate that, Derek. And, you know, likewise to you, I mean, you've, you've obviously been able to build something, you know, so impressive. And uh, I, I really look up to a lot of the business owners, you know, in, in our geographic region that have just been doing this for so long and staying the course and building something beautiful and, and uh, that, that you should be proud of. So, man, hats off to you as well. Much appreciated. Well, hey, tell the audience where they can learn more about what you do, who you serve and. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're kind of on all the major social channels, uh, you know, personally, you know, Nick Perugini DPT on Instagram um, and, and Twitter. You know, we've got uh, more than more than movement on on Instagram and Facebook. We're, we're posting uh, pretty much every day. We've got a running blog um, at more than movement dot com. And I'm sure we'll we'll get those in the, in, the, in, the, in the show notes as well. So awesome, man. Well, hey, I'm super excited to see where you take this and uh the next time we have a, a conversation, I'm sure it will go in an entirely different cr- direction. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Thanks again. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for hopping on. Thank you again for jumping on the podcast today. I just want to take a quick second to remind you that we post a lot of free and helpful content on our social media pages. You can find us at Hardbat Athletics on Instagram and Facebook. And visit our website at www.hardbatathletics.com to learn more about what we do at our facility. Let's keep raising the standard together.